You're on the dock with Pastor Troy here. We're getting ready to go. We got a good crew in here today, and we're going to give you a great one today. Just remember, right on the dock, our credo is simply this. Get conversations going at the dock that will propel you and your faith out of the shallows and into the deep. We want you to help listen to these things, sit down with us, talk, have a little conversation, and then we want to want you to explode out of the dock and get out there and do great things for God. We're on your side. We want to see you do it. On the Dock's available to YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. You can go find us also on Google Podcasts. Go there and listen to us on Google Podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and SermonNet. Download the SermonNet app. It's a great app. Our, our, we use that both for our church, but also for On the Dock with Pastor Troy. But YouTube's our primary. Go get us there. And get on our, get on our chat community. We have social media at Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, and Twitter. You'll find all kinds of things out there like links to our, our guest, Reverend Shane Bishop's, uh, his uh, blog site will be on there. You'll be able to find those kind of things on there and check it out. Give us comments, let us know. And if you want to find out about how to get to Crown Brew, just ask us. Crown Brew is one of our sponsors today. We're enjoying a nice uh, turtle latte. It's very good today. Add on the dock. We also want to tell you, once you find our social media sites, please hit subscribe. I cannot tell you what that means to us. When you subscribe, you like, you share, you notify, you get connected. When we get about 20,000 of you on there, gosh, YouTube will actually give you stuff. So help us out. We want free stuff. So get out there, subscribe, like, share. Tell people about it. We want to get the word out there what we're doing here at On The Dock. Hopefully you'll enjoy it. And also, you can go become a partner of ours at Patreon. Become a partner of On The Dock at Patreon. You can be a supporter. You can be a partner with us. Read that. Check it out. Go to Patreon and check that out. You can also go to On The Dock at our website, onthedock.org, and you can link to that. You can also get to all of our podcast sites from there as well. It gives you information on those. And you can also email us anytime you want, info at onthedock.org. So we're here with uh, Reverend Shane Bishop here at Pastor Christ Church. We're talking about part two in our Pastoring in 2020 and Beyond series. We're going to be looking at core pastoral truths to lead by. That's our target in part two. I've got Shane with me on the set here at On the Dock. He's ready to go. And I've got next to me his dad, my co-host today, Reverend Fred, Fred Bishop here. And we're ready to go. We ate Mexican today, so we're nice and relaxed. And we're ready for a little nap here, I think, you know, on the set. <laughs> we had that ice cream. It was so good. The oh, gallery was, was good. so good. We, we're naming them, but we're going to have to make them a sponsor. Yes. Because that was awful good there. So we got the two of these father and son here. Uh, Fred to my rights, my spiritual father. Shane is my elder brother. I would not be where I am without these guys today. So I appreciate them being in the studio today at On the Dock. Uh, Shane is um, a pastor at Christ Church in Illinois Metro East. He's currently one church with uh, four other loca four locations, I guess. And one of my closest friends helped lead me to Christ. Uh, gosh, I'm the oldest in my family, but Shane, for me, is my elder brother in the Lord, so it's great to have a big brother. He and Melissa have just meant the world to us. You've heard that in version one. And it was Melissa that got me. Beth, my wife's in the room right now. She's sitting on the couch. She's trying to have siesta, but she's here with us. But uh, it was Melissa and Beth that connected, uh, somehow getting us together, and it turned out really good. Four kids later, grandchild later, in many years of ministry, we are blessed because of your wife's meddling, Shane. Well, I told her to mind her own business. So, I remember uh, that. Yeah. That's usually I, my advice for everyone. You know, <laughs> I, I want to say this to Melissa. Melissa, of all the people, it's not that you've not been a great big brother to me, but gosh, I mean, your wife has been my best advocate, maybe. Yeah. Not only was your wife the one that got me connected to Beth, but your wife got me my shot at my first church plant. It was her nagging at John Annabel on a constant basis that got me sent to Highland Hope. Yeah, it might have been more like a direct command. I, yeah. She was tough on him. I mean, you know, he told me 
that I am here at Melissa Bishop's unction. And so Lucas, Melissa's would be the reason you and I are connected because I met Lucas and his family through Highland Hope. So it's just amazing that, that you, you, you're married to a woman that when she gets something on her mind, she's going to get it done. I hear she's retired, though. She is retired. She is uh, enjoying life. We, we got an 11-year-old rescue dog during the pandemic, and uh, she enjoys the dog and enjoys life at the cabin. We live in the middle of nowhere, and she just hangs out with God all day, and she's loving it. Shane, tell me about I got I got this screen up. We've been pl- plugging you when you were here for the piece on my mentors. We plugged you in each of those. We've been talking to you in, in Podcast One about your church's Christ Church. I'm going to throw these up for a minute. Just tell us about your four campuses, what's going on, what's behind all that. Well, originally we planted the campuses because we didn't have any room left at the main campus. So the, the primary campus was Fairview Heights, the original campus. We've just kept building on. In fact, you can't see any of the original building from that picture. All the original stuff is way back behind, and it goes back a long, long way. But God just started blessing the church. Uh, I think I was, I went there in 1997. By the early 2000s, it's pretty clear, God, I'd kind of walked into something God wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And the church just grew for 22 straight years. We grew for 22 consecutive years, and it it just was this exponential kind of movement. And before long, we had the opportunity to plant the campuses. We had no room left at Fairview Heights. We couldn't get the cars in. We couldn't get Mm -hmm. the cars out. (laughs) We didn't have space. And so uh, the other campuses have been real blessings to us. They've been leadership incubators. We have live everything at the campuses except the, the sermon is, uh, is what I preach at Fairview Heights. It's just piped in. That's excellent. Fred, what have you seen change over the years at Christ Church? Has this developed from this, this smaller church when he got there? And gosh, when you, did you go there in 97? 97. And what have you seen different? You've been there watching it. I've been there all the years, yes. Uh, every time that it would get to a certain place, you think it's done. Shane will reinvent the system and go find out what does it take to run it. Like, you know, first it was just uh, uh, volunteers, but then there came a place where you're going to have to have staff. You're going to have to up your quality. Right, right. Yes. And so I've seen it change through the years and just gets better every time. Just kind of start the cycle over, go to a different yes, level. Go to a different it's one level. thing when you're down at this league, but as you move up to the leagues and up to the pros, well, you, you change your players, you change your roster. What's been interesting to me, we had a guy that was in charge of our, our youth clubs. Okay, and I mean, he was a good man, really good at it. But when we moved to the next level, all of a sudden, he was a good man, but he couldn't rise up to that level. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, yeah, man's so, mixture. Yeah. All right. Well, the Peter Principle. I guess you've seen that happen a few times over the series of years. Well, it's one of the challenging things about a growing church is that a lot of times the people that got you where you are that's, that's can't true. get you to the next level. Yeah. And there are a lot of hard decisions to be made. And, and I'm a firm believer that the only way to keep moving forward is you have to start the new wave before the current ra- wave good. crests. A lot of churches want to ride the wave they're on and they th- they're still on the surfboard and there hadn't been water on that mm-hmm. thing in three decades. <laughs> so for me, it's always a matter of making changes, reinventing, doing the next new thing before the current thing has run out of steam. And a lot of that has to do with personnel. A lot of that is just making those tough decisions 
that have to be made along the way as to who can get you where you want to be. We talk about that a lot at community. When I, when I do one of my classes in my plumb line, I, I, I'm an economics. Before I was a pastor in all those years, I was an econ finance guy. That's where my degree started off. And in, in econ finance, there's a bell curve theory and an S curve theory. The bell curve theory is most organization, somebody's a person, an organism, an organization is birthed and it dies. There's a curve up, and sure. there's a maturity, and then there's a decline in retirement, and finally it hits the dirt. You know, that's true for people organizations but if you most things run on a bell curve that's because that's as far as people can see but the real strength of an organization is if they can switch that thought to what they call s-curve theology when they get to the top of the bell the top of the heap the top where they're where they're actually feeling the best about themselves instead of celebrating that and starting down the slide like you're going to ski a slope into oblivion you have to actually then start then going wow, we've arrived, but with this momentum, we yeah, could just carry with it good. or we could decide that we're going to use it to, as a ramp to the next level. And you have to take that energy and momentum. And when everything feels good, you got to say, uh-oh, we've got to reinvent ourselves now. And everybody's going like, no, we don't. We're doing great. But if you don't do that, you'll start the downslide. And then when you start that downslide, to turn the plane back up, just think of going on a death spiral down. To turn the plane up, you have to turn G's to flip it back up. You have to pull up out of the death curl. And you may have momentum to do that. You may not be able to do that. It's going to cause damage anyway. People don't like the feeling of G-force. So what's easier to do is when you're at the top level of success is to have a leader have a vision for the next level then and let that momentum carry you across the ramp. And so I find that I, I've seen you do that at every time I've seen you get restless when you're at the top of the curve. And I think you, you, you guys have just worked on the S curve. So, and I, I do think COVID has been a challenge to us all, but I think in the end, it's kind of almost been like a settling or sifting in a good way. And I think the church out of it's going to be even stronger. Yeah. If you like leadership, you, you had to embrace the COVID crises because it required every bit of leadership. Any of us had, we didn't, nobody saw it coming. Right, And all of a sudden, we have our number one uh, instrument for connecting people with Christ taken away from us, which is corporate worship. Who would have ever imagined that could be taken away from and us? And survive. And thrive, maybe. And we, sur- and, and, and we survived. And, and you're right. A lot of people figured out how to thrive. But for me, so much of this is, is just saying we have to do what it takes to be effective and that is seeing not only where you are, but seeing what's coming. And it's this constant process of staying true to your theology, but keeping your methodology negotiable. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that you and I talked about before all this crisis, we were discussing one point. I'm a church planner, and, and, and you, you're, we're just looking at planning. You're looking at planning campuses. And I'm always, we're always talking about whether could you, could you do this thing virtually? Can you grow a church virtually? Can financially, can you survive off this? Can you, can you grow a campus financially through this virtual? And we've always kind of thought, well, you know, I don't think that'll work. But I, we were proven wrong in this. I, I found out that we've thrived. Our, our giving electronically is well over half of what we give and take now. Uh, we can sustain things we could have never sustained before. I found out that actually people can catch the vision. So I was really proven wrong to this too, through this too. Uh, people will find a way if the product's solid, if they believe in it. Yeah, and technology is really, when the pandemic hit, the technology was mainstream enough it allowed us to thrive. Absolutely. 
I think you had an unfair advantage over a lot of pastors because, you know, you were doing something with these video campuses where you have the live thing, you have your people there, you have your people in place, but you're bringing yourself in to kind of create a, a central message. And I think that's very powerful. A lot, Several churches have tried that and worked. It's not, you know, in some places it works well, sometimes it doesn't work. It's worked very well for you. And, and what I think is interesting about that, when this thing went dark, a lot of churches had no program for that. So, so they're just done. Uh, the thing about you is you've been taping yourself in a room privately for a long time preparing to launch you practice you've been practicing your messages right. most of your career you're used to going in and preparing your message privately and, and and preaching it through that's been your your practice i know well i, I know i've watched uh you know watch watch little kids play soccer uh, all of them chase the ball except the guy that's going to be the really good soccer player he somehow anticipates where the ball's going to be yeah that's yeah. good. And that is what we really have to do. It's not just a matter of, of chasing the ball with church. It's a matter of seeing where things are going, getting out in front of them, and being there when things arrive. Part of that is is keeping up and working hard, because I still say hustle is the most underrated of everything it takes to be an effective leader. Just out there working hard. Yeah. But the other part is just hearing the, the Holy Spirit. A great example would be about two years ago at our church, our church council was meeting, and we collectively felt God call us to hire a film director, a person that did nothing but film. And it made no sense, and we couldn't afford it, and yet we prayed about it, and we really felt the Lord was in it. So we hired a film director, even though we had no real need for a film director. Play it forward another year. It's Christmas Eve. We normally spend a gazillion dollars to do this incredible extravaganza. We felt God called us to not spend the money on the extravaganza and to invest in our infrastructure for our technology. So we wow. took all the money we would have spent. It. We didn't know why. And then all of the sudden, six months later, total dependence. we're totally dependent on mm -hmm. things that because we listened to the Holy Spirit when it made no sense, we were in an incredibly strong position yeah. to move forward. So if there's two things I would say that a lot of people miss, number one is just the value of hard work, and number two is just listening and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I think about that. Part of your unfair advantage is you've always prepared. You're, a, you're an incredible pulpiteer. You, you craft some incredible messages. I enjoy them every week. Thank you. I, I love it, what you do. And, and that's not an accident. You work hard to give what the Lord's given to you. And you're very well prepared because you're used to preparing that in a way. I, I work differently. I feed off the audience. I, I'm, a, I'm probably more like your dad. I, I feed off the vibration of the room. And so when everything went dark on COVID for you, preaching probably for the crowd, that's just another Sunday you, for you. Facing. Man, yeah. he's thinking, thank God it's peaceful. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just do my stuff. I, I got up there the first Sunday, and it was Lucas and Beth, and I went to reach out and get some feel off the audience, and there was nothing to draw power from. And, it, you know, there were so many pastors. Yeah, I worked off you, Lucas. Lucas is like, what am I, Swiss cheese? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had 18 people in the room, and I couldn't see. Six of them were behind computers and cameras, and they were in the dark, and the lights were on me. I'm by myself on the stage, and all I've got is Beth. And I... We moved Beth to dead center just so I could feed yeah, off good. just Beth. And really, that was it. And when we, when we got COVID, it was me, Lucas, and Beth, and Megan in the room. They were behind things and cameras, and it was only Beth. And then she was behind a camera. So I'm, like, preaching to this dark room. And you had to really learn to connect with the people out there and then trust your message and the Holy Spirit to get that out there. I, I've improved in that greatly in this. But there were a lot of preachers that totally couldn't do it. They just shut down. Well, Troy, one of the things, when we started our first campus in 2011, uh, one of the things I had to do was 
film my sermon on Thursdays to go to the campus because we didn't have the connectivity or the technology to, to pipe a live sermon into that campus. And so I had to preach to nobody for <laughs> nine years oh, before man. the pandemic <laughs> hit. Fine. And one of the things I did, I, I got people who used to be on TV and people who were up in front of cameras. I said, help me. And so I got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of positive things. And then one of the things I was trying to think through is, how do you preach to nobody? Yeah. Well, I'm a content-based preacher. Yeah. So yeah. My, my thought is, no matter how bad my delivery may be on a given Sunday, I know my content's good. I'm a crusade preacher, so there's nobody at the crusade, yeah. so you're yeah. really struggling. You know? So I, I leaned <laughs> into that. But the other thing I thought to myself was, what's it like preaching to nobody? And I thought, I've done this before in seminary. Yeah, at Cleveland James and, and Cleveland Springs, oh, both gosh, of which yes. we. Yeah, yeah. there was a church at St. James that probably seated, what, 180, 200 yeah. people? There were 12 people in the choir behind me and maybe eight people in that church. I had preached to nobody before. And nobody under 70 or and, 75. Yeah, that's right. I remember when I was there, the youngest member of the church was Sarah Ruth Meadows. She was 66 years old. I referred to her as the youth group for the entire time I was there. But I had to kind of lean in. But by the time COVID hit, I was quite experienced in yeah. terms of preaching to uh, someone other than a live audience. Well, I had to work on that, but I, I did pretty good. I, I got up. Thanks, thank God, Beth is, is a good listener and a good audience. I did have to channel back to my Cleveland Springs days. Our our first couple of weeks at Cleveland Springs, I think we had three or four people in the in the pew. <laughs> I, I threw a fit with them, put them to work, and we got more people in. I didn't tolerate that long, but COVID was. You couldn't just like, well, I won't tolerate this. We'll make you come back. No. You couldn't make people come back because they couldn't be here, and so it really took something. And I. I just think you have a skill set that really, really blessed you. Uh, Colvin helped you because then with this new equipment, you could you didn't have to do the Thursdays anymore. Yeah, it was really strange. But as you know, COVID is going to end up being an accelerator. Mm -hmm. If you were dying before, you're probably dead now. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. But if you were on an uptrend before, if you were creative before, you're probably going to come out of this stronger. So for for me. Uh, this really probably pushed us forward three or four years. When I look at the quality of what we do, I watch it on, on Facebook or YouTube or any of the other gazillions of platforms out there. I watch it. We're as good as churches 10 times our size. Oh my. We yeah. would not be there had COVID not hit. We were forced into the future. That's great. COVID is an accelerator to death or life. That's correct. Mm -hmm. I that's think that's true. a great statement. I think it's something we need to all really listen to. Now, now, let me just say this. You've got, your mission statement is, we exist to connect people with Jesus Christ. You've had that the whole time I've yeah. known you there. You've got a strategy to reach out, welcome, and disciple through worship and service. And then your 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 standard that you print is, we are serious at Christ Church about being disciples of Jesus Christ. Our standard calls us to worship, join a connect group, serve our neighbor, and to tithe. Well, that's a dirty word to a lot of churches. but And you call it, it's unique, you've branded it, kind of worship plus two and a tithe. And you say, we call this SYNC, S-Y-N-C, capital SYNC, and it's all about syncing your life with God, with God's big plan through worship, loving God, loving neighbor, and generosity. And no matter which campus you attend, there's a place for you to sink at Christ Church. What is behind, I'll bring the graphic up, what is behind this Christ Church sink model for building connected followers of Christ through worship plus tuna tithe? What is this? When I was a coach before I became a pastor, there was one thing I noticed immediately. 
There's nothing easier than being terrible. <laughs> and I'm really serious. There's nothing easier than being terrible. You don't have to practice. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't have to work out. You don't have to draw up plays. Your kids don't have to get in the weight room. There is nothing easier than being terrible. The other thing I learned is there's nothing harder than being good. Wow. Mm. There's nothing more difficult than being good. So if I want to be a good team, or dare say I wanted to be a great team, the only chance I have would be to have players who are fully sold out to what it takes to be great. So why would I want a church that I believe God has not called us to be a good church, but a great church? If that's going to be the church we are going to be, I need members who are completely sold out to Jesus. So we are a high expectation church. You want to be a part of our church? This is what we ask. We feel it's a biblical model. But if I'm going to be a great church, I need great players. And I need people making significant commitments to Jesus Christ. So we're going to ask this, Troy, and we're not even going to blink. We're like somebody selling a $100,000 car. We're just looking at you. We're not even blinking. That is our membership standard. Can you still attend if you don't want to adopt that standard? Of course you can. But we're not going to hedge. The last thing you talked about, tithing being a, a bad word. I remember some years ago, I was teaching a new membership class, and I was kind of going pretty soft on tithing. You know, if you can't tithe, maybe you could work up to it and all this stuff. And God just convicted me. That's good. And this is what God spoke to my heart. Who appointed you to negotiate the terms of discipleship? That's good. Who appointed you to negotiate the terms of discipleship? So my job is to, to the best of my ability, to convey a biblical standard for discipleship. And church membership makes no sense at all if it's not directly linked to membership, to uh, discipleship and accountability. So yeah. I mean, if you think, if your play to get to heaven is you're hoping for a laminated membership card and a decoder ring, that's a pretty bad play. So for us, we want to be a great church. We are going to put great expectations I, out there. And the other I, thing is, I, I tell people this, if you're looking to see how little you can give, how seldom you can volunteer, how seldom you can attend, you're not, we're not the church for you. You're wrong church. We're, you're the wrong church. That's right. We're not the church for you. That's excellent, excellent, excellent. I've seen that. Fred, that's a little different model, isn't it? I mean, that expectation level. I love that. But laying that expectation, I think, is what makes a great church with great people. They come together. It's not accidental. It's intentionally following the word of God. You Just, expect nothing, you'll get nothing. I absolutely love it. I, I think I think you've got something there, Shane. I, this church is a high tithing church, very high tithing church. I am so appreciative that we, we've accelerated that. And uh, that's not something we're scared to talk about here. We don't move people through leadership that aren't doing that. And I think it's a standard that when you when you do that, you can go through these valleys. Like we never stopped our mission giving. Our people have a value. It's not based on what they're making. It's based on what God has called them to. And so I think it helps you hold the line and you have people that are ready to stand the line because they've committed to that first and foremost. So I really appreciate that. Let me, let me get back. We're going to jump over again. Back in the previous podcast, we took a look at a blog that Shane did back last year, uh, earlier in this year, April 6th, 2021. We'll tell you how to get to it in a minute. But he, 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 he in this blog, he gave 12 things that he's seeing post-resurrection uh, 2021. And he talked about ch churches had an unexpectedly strong Easter. 
Uh, churches who opened early are reaping rewards. They're coming back stronger. He talked about pastor and churches are tired from working through COVID. So we probably need to make sure churches are getting uh, their pastor and staff getting some time away recovering because there's a new fresh push. So that is so true. I can tell you that churches are still all over on mitigation. Some places is over. Some places it's still happening. Uh, he, he, he gave these other things. Churches are doing better than expected financially, especially churches that were dialed in and, and were doing good things. Uh, people in, are continuing to return to church lives. We're seeing that it's not quite the same, but we are still seeing it grow. We, we both, both him and I thought it would pop back quicker. It has not popped back the same, but in, in some ways I, I see, I have more people watching on Sunday and both here and virtual than I did before. It's just, they're not all back here in the seats the same way. Uh, lots of people have changed churches. They found churches that fit them better. They, if they were going to shop, they decided to shop, they moved and they look for churches that are that active. You mentioned online audiences are stabilizing. I agree with that. There's no way to make everyone happy. We've learned that pastors can make a decision and both sides can hate them. They're like a umpire in a game. Nobody likes the umpire, uh, but you just got to make the right decisions and lead the church through it. We talked about churches are getting more homogenous, probably not a good thing. We're getting too much more like we're so segregated and desegregated because everybody's break. We've confused politics with the life of the church and, and we, we've lost, we've lost our counterculture appeal mm-hmm. and we've been broken up into cultural fights. So that's something we're going to come back to and talk about in the round in, in the round table opportunities for evangelism. You said are abundant and I loved how you ended it. The last episode, general optimism prevails there this isn't this is a time i think you said really well that we if we really do good work we can really come out of this fighting um, and there's all kinds of ways in which we can allow the holy spirit to kind of move us forward and um, you, you really feel like the value of hard work and being sensitive to the spirit right now can cause us to really come alive and that covid could be an acceleration to whether you're going to die as a church or live as a church and so so I, i've seen that in your church and other churches are, have come through this strong so I want to go to that second set. Uh, you said after that you gave five recommendations, uh, and I think this will help us in getting to those core pastoral truths. What are these five recommendations? The first one you gave was lead boldly. What do you mean by lead boldly? You, you cannot lead passively right now. These are troubled times. We have a sharply divided nation. We have a media industry that thrives on keeping people radiating at high frequencies. Yeah. We are just coming out of a pandemic. Uh, there, churches were already in precipitous decline before all this stuff hit. So people are looking for leadership, and they're looking for bold leadership. Part of leadership is telling people things are going to be okay, but part of leadership is having a vision for the future. And so right now, as a pastor, I I think we needed to be telling people things are going to be okay. I think we're at the point right now, it's time to lead with a vision for the future. So we need to lead boldly, not apologetically, Mm -hmm. not tentatively. Let's lead boldly. And you know what? If we end up getting fired, let's get fired because we were operating from our heart, not because we played it safe. That's good. I like that. And I want to see how this clarify your message. How does that work off this when you talk about clarify your message? Who, what do you have to offer? Uh, that, that's kind of the bottom line. And, and what is your niche? If you're in an area where there's a lot of other churches, what is your niche? Why would somebody drive past three churches to get to your church? What do you uniquely have to offer? At Christ Church, we're very focused on two things. We are going to stand for biblical truth. So we are going to take traditional Christian positions on everything from theology to human sexuality. We are going to stand for traditional 
Christian values, and we're going to stand in biblical truth. We're also going to stand for doing that in a spirit of winsome love. We, to, to use a quote I, I use all the time, I'm an Orthodox Christian, but I'm not in a bad mood about it. I like that. So for our church, we want to say, we want to be as concerned about truth as any church out there. Mm-hmm. But we also are going to be very concerned that we're showing love and we're doing that in gracious and graceful ways. That's good. So some people are going to say, you guys are, are haters because you stand in Christian truth. Okay, they're not going to be good candidates for us. Right. Other people are going to say, you guys stand in good Christian truth, but you don't seem angry enough for us. Well, they can go be angry at another church. There's plenty of we're that. sort of building a niche on biblical truth and Christ-like love. We hope there's enough people in our region who are going to say we are attracted to that message. At, at Clarify. Com- at Community, we, we've done the exact same thing. We, I went real far with it. In fe- from February till May, I, I did a defining series called What is Truth? And it's called the Foundation of Truth Series. And we actually launched this podcast with five episodes of the Foundation of Truth. And what we did was we came in and talked through that original series. And here, we wanted to establish the show on the dock that it was going to be foundation built on truth. It was going to be doctrinally solid. We're not going to come here and argue. We're not going to fight about right. certain things. We're just going to establish some truth. If you don't, if you like it, come watch here. Let this empower you. If you don't like it, move on down the road. There's plenty of other talk shows and things to watch. We did the same thing as a church. The Lord put on my heart that coming out of COVID, I'm to prepare Community 2.0 for launch. 2.0. And so what that meant was we did a series of family meetings. I preached the messages. I brought the family together and I said, now look, I have re-clarified clearly our doctrine, our stance on everything from the Apostles' Creed to, to where we are on sanctity of life, where we are on Christian marriage, where we are on sexuality, Christian identity. We went through all this stuff very slowly over months. Then I brought everybody in and fielded their questions. We had dinner together and I just said, hey, I'm not asking if you're voting for this. We're asking you, do you want to be a part of this? And what we're going to do here is we're going to tell you, this is who we will be unapologetically. We're not going to go back and fight on this. And so what we're going to ask you is, will you take communion with us to, to solidify this? We're going to the next level. If you're not able to do this, you we love you. We bless you to leave. Yeah. We, we, we free you. We're, we're not going to fight about it in here. We want to become common unity together. We want to be a place where you can bring your friends and know they're going to get the message here. And it's going to be done, we told everybody, with grace-filled accountability. We'll hold each other accountable to it. We'll be gentle when your friends come. We're not going to beat them into oblivion. I mean, G- Jesus on the cross had two people left and right. One said, said he cursed Jesus. The other one said, bless me. Jesus didn't browbeat the one that went to hell. He blessed the one that went to heaven. And, and you know, that's what we're going to do here. And I think that's a good philosophy. I think a lot of churches right now are going to have to define themselves and make a decision as for them and their house, what will be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and part of it for me, I was just on, not too long ago, I was on a, a panel, a televised panel, and we're talking about race and, and religion and politics and all those kind of things. And one of the things I just very clear about was if you're looking for a pastor who's going to talk about partisan politics, right. I'm not going to be the pastor for you. No. And I think we've got to be comfortable saying that because you can't be all things right. to everybody. So what are you? What does your church have to offer? What do you stand for? That's a kind of clarification yeah. I think we're going to have to make moving yeah, forward. People ask me in the middle of all this stuff, going, are you going to speak to power? I said, I don't speak with power. We speak with the power of the on high. We don't play at this field. We play above a field. What we speak speaks to all 
and all of us are God's creatures. So we're not going to come down in the muck. We stand on holy ground. We invite people to come to the cross, and it's the defining separator mm-hmm. of all humanity. So that's really good work. You, you say on this thing that you're going to have to think. This is cra- crazy. You're going to have to think like a new church start. You're not a you're, you're, you're an older church. Your church grown. How, I mean, you're going to have to think like a church start. I'm a church planner. That's that's radical. Every six months, you got to change your game if you're a church planner. Yeah, we just disaffiliated from our parent denomination. Uh, we just did not see a future there. And it gives us the energy of a new church start That's good. with the critical mass and resources of a megachurch. Wow. And so for us, we're in a really good place. But what I tell people is the reason that we disaffiliated wasn't to, to, so we could keep being what we were. It's so that unfettered, we could move into what God was creating us to be. And I tell people all the time, we have no excuses now. Right. We're either going to get this done or we're not. But we can't blame a denomination. We can't blame all this. There are no excuses now. So for me, there is this energy around getting to do something new. We've had to, we've had to think through our faith and order. Uh, we've had to think through things that we never had to think through before because we were a part of a denomination. So I, I think churches today have to say, what would we do if we could just start all over? Wow. And then do it. Think like a new church start. I, lo- I, lo- I love that so much, Shane. I think that's right online. I, th- I think the, the separation factor there, I think a lot of people are going to have to look at what they're connected to and how they're going to spend their energy. And now that you've decided to be this new church start, it's what's interesting, you're kind of left. You can't blame your hold on d- denominational discussions and all these things and stuff that sucked the air out of the life out of a church. I've been there. Uh, but what you now are left is one option is your number five. You're going to have to actually... You're going to actually have to go evangelize. Well, I think that is so incredibly important. What does new, what do new, new church starts do? You evangelize. They, they evangelize. Nobody they got, comes. Nobody's there. <laughs> so anybody you get, you're going to have to go find. You're going to have to hit the, you're going to have to put some shoe leather With a viable this. product. That's exactly some, right. Or at least a viable vision, right? That's right. Uh, because yeah, you don't even that, have a product. That's what you you're start, selling an idea. That's what you start with, absolutely. And and mm-hmm. I love the idea. What if Christ's church, what if your church just decided we're going to do what a new church start would do? We're going to go door to door. We're going we're gonna to talk to people. We're going to get out there, and we're going to tell them our message and just see if it resonates. Now, you've got, you've got like f- almost 40 years of ministry coming up here, uh, and it's just incredible. And, you know, just tell me, here in this kind of last piece of this, what are your top, I don't care, three, four, five, what are your top three, four, five core pastoral truths that have led you to this day? If you were going to talk to a young person looking to become a pastor and you were going to pass on them three or four ideas, Roy Cole was somebody I interviewed going through the process. He gave me some good ideas. Uh, Gene Pribble was another one that I interviewed. Well, if you were, if if some young pastor were here listening, somebody called into ministry, what are those three or four top core truths you'd give them today to kind of lead them out of the shallows into the deep? Number one, you got to stay in love with Jesus. You just got to stay in love with Jesus. So many people get into ministry, and the first thing they want to do is become a consummate professional. You're better off just to be in love with Jesus. Yes. And, and ministry's hard. And I think where it really erodes on us is that simple love for Christ. I ask pastors all the time that are burned out, why did you originally get into this? Remember your call. Uh, I think we got to stay close to that. So, so keep that love for Jesus. Keep that fire alive. That you lose that, you've lost everything. Mm-hmm. 
The second thing is you're going to have to love people. Hmm. You know, I had somebody tell me last night, they said, I just don't like people. I said, well, that's very unfortunate because <laughs> God made a heck of a lot of them. Yeah. And, and the reality is you're not going to be able to effectively minister to people you do not love. You're going to have to care about these people. You're going to have to care about their lives. You're going to have to believe that you are offering something of true value to them. But you stop loving people, all of a sudden people become objects. People become things that help you get what you want, whatever the heck you think that is. Mm -hmm. So keep that love for God. Keep that love for people. Number three, don't do dumb crap. <laughs> I mean, so many people just make a tragic mistake, and it just blows everything up. So you know what? If you don't want to go off the edge of a cliff, my recommendation is not just stay away from the edge of cliffs. It would be hang out on flat ground. <laughs> I mean, stay as far away from that. Build things around you to protect you in every conceivable way. And then my, my final piece is, is understand what a principled win looks like for you. So many pastors have no idea what a win looks like. And so instead of really pursuing something, their de facto mission is we're hoping everybody stays alive so that we can do next week what we did this week on Sunday. Oh That's not a vision. So what is That's a, princi- a hobby. That's right. What's a principled mm-hmm. win look like for you and then go get as many as you can and when i read the great commission it's pretty clear i mean we're to be making we need to make disciples we need to make converts we ought to be baptizing people we ought to be teaching people we ought to be going into all the world all of those are highly mm-hmm. quantifiable things so i would say don't allow yourself the luxury of saying well what we do is very subjective here every failing pastor i've ever met has boiled ministry down to subjectivity. Absolutely. But if you take things objectively and say, God, we're trusting in you to provide and to do great things here, and we are expecting that those are going to be measurable Mm -hmm. things, that becomes a very different shift. And I'm going to add one more, and it's operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a metaphor for me that's so powerful. Moses and the burning bush. The the text says the bush was burning but not consumed. Ministry will burn you out. And if your energy, if your effort is the fuel of your ministry, it's going to burn out. But if you like a gas log, if the fuel is the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to have a high flame for a long time. I've got gas logs in my cabin, and let me tell you, I don't have to replace them. I don't have to, to take the ashes out because what's burning there is propane gas, not the log. That's great. Lean into the Holy Spirit. Play for the long haul. And realize at the end of the day, God called you into this. You were drafted. You really can't quit. You could be released, but you really can't quit. And that would be the advice that I give to young pastors. Stay in love with Jesus. Love people. Don't do dumb crap understand what a principle win looks like and operate under the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are five, five, five good fine 
top core values. I mean, and I've seen you live that. I've seen that be a part of your life. Um, it's just been, it's, I think it's, I think it's the essence of what makes you who you are and, and the leadership you get. And I think it's very transferable to anybody listening, whether they want to be a pastor, whether they want to be a solid Christian leader or a parent or father, a good godly person. I, I think it's just wonderful. We're going to come back in podcast part three of this series, Pastoring in 2020 and Beyond. We'll be looking at spiritual needs and issues of the church post COVID. We're going to talk a little bit about what's different. I think it's going to be really good to look at having uh, talked to Shane about this, but let me just get you here. So we'll be seeing these spiritual needs and issues of the church post COVID. COVID-19 in just a minute. We'll be doing that. You can check it out on Tuesdays and Thursdays or podcast. Go find Shane's blog at rememberbooks.wordpress.com. Rememberbooks.wordpress.com. You can find that blog that we talked about on April. He's got other blogs there that are great. And it was an accident he gave you that line. He wrote a book called Love God, Love People, and Don't Do Dumb Crap. So you can go a lot more. It's a great book. Get out and get that. You can find that also at rememberbooks.wordpress.com. You can get that book and do that. So thanks a lot, Shane and Fred. Thanks for being here again with us again. We're going to go deeper on the next round. And we're at www.onthedoc.org. Check us out there. You can link to us. You can watch us again on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Catch us on Google Podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, Sermonette, and you can get online. Talk to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Telegram. And you can check out those sites right now to find those links to get to uh, Shane's podcast site and to his book. Please, when you go there, hit subscribe, like, uh, share, comments, hit notification. Help us get the word of On the Dock out there because we believe it will help other pastors, leaders, church members. We want it to help you get out of the shallows and into the deep. Again, go to my Patreon if you want to. Patreon website, become an On the Dock partner. We'd love to have you as a partner. And and a supporter. Check out those various options there as well. And again, if you are in the Southern Illinois area, we'd love to have you. I'm a pastor at Community Faith Church. We'd love to have you. If you're looking for a church, you're out of church, this church, come on out. 10 o'clock sharp on Sundays, Wednesday, 630. We have a presence here live, but we also have an online community at coftv.com. Check out all those ways to watch our service through YouTube, Facebook, different ones. And while we've got Shane here, we'll give one more push to Christ Church. If you're in the Fairview Heights, Metro East area, we want you to check out Christ Church. Incredible church. Uh, one church, four locations. Go to Collinsville, Maryville campus. You can check them out Sundays at 10. Uh, you can go to Scott campus at Christ Church, 10 o'clock on Sundays as well. Milstadt campus, 10 o'clock on Sundays. And you can go to the Mothership Christ Church. They have four different Sunday offerings. Check that out and a Wednesday service. Check it out at mychristchurch.com and you'll love that. I hope you'll get out there and get there again. Guys, thanks for being here on the dock. We'll continue this in part four. It's going to be our part three, actually, spiritual needs and issues of the church post-COVID. We look forward to having you guys again. Fred, thank you. Shane, thank you. And thanks for joining us on the dock. We'll see you soon. Pastor Troy.